So I have a question. How are small business owners like us, who are spending 60 plus hours a week working in our businesses and are still struggling to make ends meet, who have no time to spend with family, friends, or the things we value most in life, who feel trapped inside of our businesses and it is consuming our lives? How do we get the freedom to be able to work on our businesses and not in them? That is the question. This podcast will give you the answer. My name is John Nichols, and this is Expansion Code Radio. What's up, everyone? Welcome to today's podcast. My name is John Nichols, and this is Expansion Code Radio. Today, I got a great guest today. He is Rob Broadhead. Rob, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Most definitely. Um, So we were chit-chatting a little bit beforehand, and uh, just... And I, I I got to know Rob a little bit before we got started today, and um, he is a really interesting guy. And Rob, can you uh, just give my listeners a little information about yourself and uh, what you do? I, I am currently, I'm a software consultant, have my own company that I've been running for a long time, uh, Do so, and have been IT and software development my entire life, uh, focused on basically on solving problems. And I've done it from you know very big companies, Fortune 100, all the way down to small mom and pops, startups, and things of that nature. So that's my day is uh, get up and look for more problems to solve and find ways to solve them. So, like, who is your really your ideal client out there? Who who is if you was going to create a customer avatar or a client avatar, what would that customer or client look like? I really enjoy getting in sooner rather than later with a lot of projects. Although it seems like a lot of my business comes from people going out, they want to do something, they they mishire or misunderstand. And then it's sort of a, a little bit of a train wreck or maybe a complete train wreck. And then they come to me and say, hey, we've got some issues. We want to fix this stuff up. Uh, but it's then it's repairing. You know, it's, it's things have been set in motion, repairing things have already been built versus uh, and it could be a it could be a startup. It could be a small company that's starting, you know, got a new new product or a midsize company or even a large company that's that's wanting to take a different direction and being able to get in there early on and really be part of that process where they're figuring out what is it that we what is it we do, how do we do it, how we can do it, how can it, we can maybe do it better, or how can we provide this to a new you know customer base, whether that's internal or external. That's really, you know, that's where I'd love to be is where they're they're getting into the initial part of, hey, we've got a pain point. Let's figure out how we can reduce this or remove this pain. Yeah. So what is the what do you think? So you pick up a client, company client, and uh, what is their what is normally their number one biggest challenge they have that you're trying to overcome? Like like across the board, something that happens across the board that you can say, okay. Just about everybody has this particular thing. Wow, that's uh, uh, in the the areas that I've I've worked. It actually varies a little bit. It depends on what they're uh, what they're building. But probably the the best common denominator is that they they're in a situation where they they know they need some sort of technology automation. They've got a problem, <clears throat> and they know there's some solutions out there, but they can't figure out which one. And it, they it it really falls under areas like. Can we, is this something we should just buy off the shelf somewhere where we can go get like, you know, the equivalent of like Microsoft Office for my problem and get it done? Or is it something where it is unique enough, particularly because everybody thinks their business is unique 
until they realize that, oh, no, there's there's some commonalities with them and other other businesses, their comp- competition, other lines of businesses. And, um, you know, figuring out, is there an actual product that solves the problem or is it something that we're unique enough that we need to actually build it ourselves? And if we do, how would we even do that? So what do you do to stay current with the modern uh, technical trends that's going on in your business right now? Uh, there's a lot of different ways. One of it is, is listening to podcasts, uh, checking out blogs. I sort of, you know, float through different, there's several different news sites and you can do this with whatever your uh, particular, you know, topic is you want to keep up with. You'll find there, there are news sites, there's aggregators and things like that that allow you to, um, you know, allow you to sort of keep up on the, the, the hottest topics. But also I, on a regular basis, will look at what, what is it that I can do? What is it that I have exposure to or experience with as far as technologies are? And if there's some new stuff that comes out, I will uh, sort of focus uh, either a little side project or where I'm looking for work as ways to sort of say, hey, maybe this is where I can take this new technology or this new thing available and try to apply it to some of these problems and, and get some experience <laughs> that way. You know, a little bit of uh, a little bit of trial and error, but it's also to say, okay, we've got this quiver of solutions. How do I maybe add a couple more arrows into that quiver? Yeah, I mean the thing is, is that I'm I'm thinking about in 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 our industry. Uh, so so we own UPS stores. We also own Christmas uh, decorating businesses. And um, and the thing is, is that we're all the time going to different lighting shows, different um, different pieces, um, and, and also with with UPS stores, we're also I mean, they are always bringing new technology. Uh, the franchise is always bringing new technology to us and stuff. Um, but it's also looking, you know, I, I think one of the big things on this right here is that it also helps you hedge your bets in the market, too, and how the marketplace is changing and how things are moving differently. So, I, so I'll give you a great example of this for us. So back in 2008, when the housing market just crashed, and we started looking at our shipping and we noticed that our shipping was declining. So we were losing revenue. And so we decided to promote one of our other profit centers, which is uh, printing. And we changed our focus completely from packaging and shipping to printing. And we started talking about printing to everyone. And we got really good at this. And instead of us declining, we started growing again quickly. So we were only down for a couple months. And the thing is, is that we we decided to not ride the market out, but just take control of the market and look at something that people were needing. And so during a lot of these downturns, so like when we had COVID, lots of people left, left their jobs, but they started their own business, right? The same thing happened 2008. And so we focused on this printing aspect of it. And what happened was, is that we started growing leaps and bounds because we started filling up a, a niche in the market that people were out there doing, but not in UPS stores. 
And so instilling UPS stores, most owners fight printing and the ones that embrace printing and really move forward with it, they really tend to make lots more money than the folks that don't focus on the printing piece of it. Yeah, that's uh, I, I think the best way I ever heard that explained one time. And this is this is in industries, it's in uh, and technologies and things like that. Is if you think of everything as sort of like a, a wave, as you'll you know you start out and you got your early adopters and bleeding edge, and then it sort of comes into sort of in vogue, and at some point it, it sort of plateaus and then it starts to fade out. And then if you think of you know any. Uh, technology or business focus is a wave, then you've got these like overlapping waves. So you've got one, as one is maybe fading, another one is rising. And the key is, you know, if you can take as you're maybe getting into that, either that plateau or is it starting to drop, take some of that energy or, or focus and move it into that next wave. Then as one comes down, the other comes up and you, you, know, you can, you can sort of level out the, the ups and downs that some businesses, that's, that's what they live on. Is they they run it all the way into the ground, and they're like, okay, now we're going to take you know we've got enough we made enough that we're going to take our six month or twelve month runway and we're going to go launch into something else. And you get really feast and famine kind of stuff as opposed to okay, as this one's starting to fade, we need to be looking ahead and figure out where the next place is. So instead of you know coasting down the hill, we need to be ready to like you know pick it back up and start advancing up whatever that next wave that next hill is going to be. Yeah. And, and it is all about looking at trends, staying educated within, within whatever you're doing, you know, and the thing is, is that, you know, there's all kinds of things. There's all, you know, there's magazines, there's all kinds of online articles, there's all kinds of videos, there's all kinds of things out there that you can consume and, and look at the markets and kind of understand where things are going, what things are failing, what things are dying down. And kind of instead of you're like, you know, on this huge roller coaster ride, now it's just more like you're going up and down some little hills, you know. And, you know, it, it's all about taking that information and applying it. And the thing is, is that I think lots of lots of business owners out there see the trends, but but they don't want to change. I think they're I think a lot of people are stuck in the fear of change and they get comfortable in what they're doing. And I'm going to tell you right now, as a small business owner, you can't ever get comfortable in what you're doing. You always have to adjust um, with what's going on in your industry. Um, I'll give you a, a really another um, great example of, of of reading your own business is that um, years ago, we used to do electronic fingerprinting for the state of Tennessee in some of our UPS store locations. And what we started seeing is is that our customer count started dropping off like like people coming in and doing business with us that customer count started dropping and so we look at all of our all, all of our data all the time we we're in our data every day and so in doing that and watching and watching this these trends in these stores that did fingerprinting <coughs> and don't get me wrong, we were getting compensated for, for the fingerprinting, but we started we started looking at the customer count dropping, and then we also looked started looking at the average customer transaction. That number was dropping too. 
And so we started, and so, yeah, we were making some money. We were kind of making it up with this fingerprinting because we was getting paid for it. But we took a, a, a gamble on this and said, I bet we can get rid of the fingerprinting and increase our average customer transaction and also increase our customer account. And so we did. And we just took it out of every location we had it. And I think we had it in um, six out of our 10 locations. And within two months, our our uh, average customer transaction was up by 25%. And we were up by about 15% in foot traffic. And so, you know, I think a lot of times people, or business owners have to go in and analyze their own data on stuff. And and then start reacting to that. What's your thoughts on that? I agree. I think that, uh, and one of the things that I, I, I guess, preach a lot because a lot of people I work with, it's uh, while there's also small, there's small businesses. There's a lot of people who are doing side hustles and things like that that I talk to. Where there's still, it's a it's a little different because you it's not your you know your bread and butter yet, uh, but you maybe are hoping to get there. And it, it, businesses get used to doing annual financial stuff because you got to do taxes and stuff like that. So you, you know, in a lot of companies, that's, you know, that's what they look at and maybe they go to quarterly and they'll look at it and say, okay, you know, first quarter we did eh, and second quarter, here's how we did and third quarter. And they may even look at it at a level of, you know, what are we, what's, what is trending better? What's trending down. But the businesses I found that are really good get that, like you say, they get down to like daily, you know, weekly or even daily, depending on how, the data is available for what they do and look at things like, Hey, are we still trending where we need to go? And it is, the thing is, is that when you're, if you do like an annual, you get these like very big, you know, trends and stuff like that, because it's over that long period of time, you shorten it up and you'll see all these little jagged little things as you have up and down days. But there is a lot of value in figuring out, that kind of information because you can look at things then and see that you know hey we we have a spike in traffic on Mondays nobody shows up here on Fridays or you know these products sell at these times either during the week or during the month and i think that is a you know it's a great way to get a real solid idea of what your business is like and more importantly what your customers are like what they're doing what they're looking for And then I think I've always been sort of surprised at how many businesses will effectively fail or die out because they just ride whatever it was, was there, you know, they had a business idea, they provided it in the, in the moment it worked great, but then it started to fade and they just ride that out as opposed to it probably most, it's a large percentage of companies. There's a level of bootstrapping as you, you get started. And I think that same skill set allows you to say, okay, now that we're we're doing good or we're starting to, you know, it's starting to go trend in a negative direction, let's take some of what we've, you know, what we've already created and use that to bootstrap in a way that, you know, you can you can take some risks now because you can say, hey, I'm going to take a little bit of this. And instead of coasting, I'm going to take this effort that I was doing before and I'm going to, I'm going to go try this other thing out and maybe try two or three so you can hedge your bets and whatever is the next, you know, whatever that next wave is, you can catch it and then start to me, then it's just almost a numbers game. You start shifting your focus. Just like you said, you sort of say, Hey, we're, 
we're going to focus less on this area of our business. We're going to start focusing more on this other area. And, you know, next thing you know, it's like everybody's coming in and you're, you're doing great because you shifted into that printing focus. Um, you know, you, you get a win out of it and it's, it's not, you know, you're still, not everything's going to be a win, but you can pull those things off. I think, cause I'm like a, I'm a minimal, I'll accept risk, but I like to do it in a smart way. And those are the kinds of things I, I look at. It's like, Hey, you're in a position where you can try these two or three different areas. And if you're in your data enough, then you can, you know, in the period sometimes of even a week or two is see, is this going to work for us or is our approach going to work? And if not, then let's make some adjustments to it. See, that is that is so true. And within our business, luckily, we have real-time reporting in my UPS stores, <clears throat> at least for the um, point-of-sale data. Um, and then we, we normally have... Um, no, I mean, no, even in our shipping data and stuff. <clears throat> and so we have formulas and we have spreadsheets that we put all our stuff into. And it's, and not on, only on that is that we dig so deep that if, so if my packaging isn't at a certain percentage, okay, I know that my people aren't using my talk tracks and doing the basic things. We we have basically four basic things that we do. <coughs> and the one is greet the customer within f- the first five seconds when they walk in. We have a thing called the shipping cadence, which means that we start our selling pr- our sales process for shipping the most highest price item and go down because you can't go the other way. Um, we also have a thing about, uh, increasing our packing. So we have talk tracks on that. And then it is, uh, then we also have another piece is, is the close of the sale. It's all about giving a bounce back and using a tra- talk track with that. And so for shipping and for packaging though, I've got, it's hard to, so it's hard to get data on whether they're greeting the customer or not. It's hard to get data whether they're giving bounce backs or not. And, the way we do that is um, is we count how many bounce backs we're giving out within a month. But they also have to, but I can't track whether they're doing the talk track with it. They could just be handing the bounce back back and customer walking out and then not saying a word. But I do have ways to track the shipping and the packing. And it's really interesting. If I start if if I go in and look at one location and I see that they're really down in packing. Well, that tells me that they're not talking to the customers about our packing because when you use the talk track on talking to our customers about packing, what happens? It increases. And so the thing is, is that we can tell in our locations. So if they're not and if both shipping and packing are down, then the other two we know automatically are down because if they're not doing two of them, they're not doing any of them. And so that's how we kind of measure stuff. And then we go in and we just kind of come in, we stand back in the back and not and, and act like we're not even there, you know, act like we're not near the front. And then we'll just kind of walk up to the, to, towards the front, but we'll stay behind and listen to our people have transactions. And then we verify it. And when we verify it, you know, then, then we go talk to the manager because it's the manager's job to make sure that, that all of my employees are doing the right things that they should be doing. 
And so the thing is, is that this is a real easy way and we can be in this data and we normally look at that over a week's time frame because we need consecutive days to verify this stuff, right? I mean, you could have a fluke day. We could have, um, you know, some, some employees that aren't feeling well or, or in bad moods or anything else, you know, it, you know, you can have fluke days, but so as we look at it over a week's time and then after a week, you know, we don't wait around on stuff. And that, I think that there's the problem with a lot of people and a lot of businesses out there is that, well, they wait too long or they're not getting enough data quick enough in order to solve problems. And then what happens is, is that if they only review their data monthly, okay, so my, so they've had these employees that have been doing, that have not been performing for a month. I mean, they've got into a habit mm-hmm. of not performing. Now you got to go back in and try to reverse that. Or if they only look at stuff quarterly, I mean, seriously, I mean, think about how much money they're losing on top of, you know, creating a, a bad environment. Their employees have created now their own environment instead of the culture that you had, that you brought into the system initially. And so speaking of culture, what is your thought, Rob, on on company culture and how much it plays into uh, being able to be productive and get things done? Oh, I think it plays very heavily. Uh, it's it's interesting as you were, you were talking through some of your examples there. Something that was it reminded me of a, a story I, I recently heard of. Um, this wasn't a this wasn't a business per se. I mean, it is, but uh, it was somebody was talking about. They had this. It was one of these like mega churches. Where they have ten different locations in you know, and I can't remember. I think it's across different states and. They had, you know, the same, the same material, the same marketing, all of these different things that you look and it looks like it's, it's like a cookie cutter approach from one to the next. I think even the, the building layouts were same, everything. And yet they saw for the numbers they were tracking, they saw dramatically different numbers in different areas. And, you know, they thought, well, maybe it's, yeah, it could be because it's geography or location or some other things, but started digging into it deeper and a lot of it came down to, it really came down to culture is they realized that there was, even though they had, um, you know, sort of like a, at, a, at a high level, they had like, here's what we're looking for. These are the people we want to hire. This is what we want to bring in. These are the skill sets we're looking for. Once you get down, got down to each location, they had developed their own little culture because you know, these are, they're different people. They're strong personalities. And it really was as as close as you could get, like an apples to apples comparison of business A and business B, but with different cultures. And in some cases, they just, you know, they went off the charts in areas and others, they went off the charts negative in areas. And it, and even in, you know, it wasn't like, it wasn't all positives and all negatives in some cases. It was where, hey, this culture definitely strengthens these values. This culture has these different values. And I think that, uh, it, it creates, it is definitely uh, an X factor, I think, in a lot of businesses uh, where particularly if you look at things like franchises and stuff like that, that's, I think, part of what really is tried that the best franchise types will push is that you have that same, you know, 
McDonald's, Chick-fil-A, Burger King, whatever it is, UPS experience in every one of our locations, even if they're run by different franchisees and in different locations, that you have that experience when you hit the door. And you can look at companies that are highly successful and that's that's what they do. Their culture just they find a way to push it all the way through. And, you know, that's, it is, it goes into your hiring. It goes into your training. It goes into your follow-ups. Like you said, if you don't, if you say, Hey, here's what we're doing. You put somebody through all of their education and they're ready to go. And they're now in a, a model employee. If they've got a couple of things they didn't get or a couple of bad habits and you come back, you know, a month later or a quarter later, then that has drifted you know, very far off from where you want it to be. So I think if you have, the more that you look for data, look for ways to make sure that you're keeping things in track with how you see that, you know, you see what the strong culture is for your business, the easier it is for you to, to rein stuff in. You know, I think about it, uh, if you think about when you're building a building and you start with like that cornerstone is you start with, okay, here's, you know, this is laying out where we're going to go. If you start measuring off of, you know, if you start laying out bricks and you keep measuring off that first one, you're going to keep a straight line. But if you keep making adjustments off of each successive one, then you can you can get way off track. And so it is it's culture is important, but it's also something that is a it has you have to be intentional about it. You have to regularly check in and make sure that the that the employees understand that that's a that's a part of what you uh, expect out of them. Well, and culture goes back to setting expectations and setting the values up front and then holding people accountable to those expectations and those values. And the thing is, is that, I mean, you don't have to have a terrible um, work environment, but you mean, you know, I think everybody needs expectations. We all need values. And the thing is, is that if people aren't aligning with the values and the expectations, then they're not a fit for your organization. I think, Lots of times people hold on to people because they say, well, I need them. Um, and what happens is, is that you you create this um, hostage, hostage mentality that your employees are holding you hostage because in your mind, you have to have them to do this. And <clears throat> that really just drives me crazy because, you know, I – I, I I got this UPS store owner. He's a friend of mine. He lives in Charlotte. He has some stores in Charlotte, uh, uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. And <coughs> anyhow, and uh, we were talking um, at convention this summer, and he was just like, um, you know, I didn't even think I was going to be able to come because because you know because 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 my employees and stuff. I said, what are you talking about? It was just like, you know what, well, I mean, well, I'm having a hard time hiring people and everything else. And I said, and, you know, and, and I'm, I'm just afraid to upset these folks because I'm afraid they're going to leave. And then, you know, and then we're going to be shorthanded and then that makes things worse and everything else. And I was just like, um, well, first of all, your employees are holding hostage inside your head. I said, and you can't let that happen. I said, what you need to do is just keep an ad out there all the time and just keep in hire all the time. I said, I would rather be a little overstaffed than be held hostage. Like what you, like what's happening with you. And he was just like, but I can't afford that. I'm just like, yes, you can. 
I promise you, you can. <clears throat> because what's going to happen is, is that if your employees understand that you're always hiring, they'll understand that they're, they can always be replaced. And if they can be replaced, then they are going to <clears throat> understand that they need to do the things correctly instead of doing it whatever, however way they want to. And, you know, and I'm not trying to create fear in these folks. I'm just, I'm just saying for you as a business owner, you have to do what's right for your business first. <clears throat> and I truly believe that we are called to take care of our employees, but I don't think I'm called to take care of a bad employee. Because the thing is, is that a bad employee, they don't want to help themselves. And if they don't want to help themselves, how can I help them if they if, if they don't even want to help themselves? And so, you know, because 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 I've been in that situation before, Rob, to where I've given and given and given it to an employee and, and just gone been over backwards for someone. And and but yet they just start taking advantage of me and they don't care. They don't care about me. They don't care about themselves. I don't care about anything. And then what happens is, is that, and then, then they end up getting upset with me when I fire them. And they're just like, well, I can't believe you did this. I'm just like, well, I can't believe you didn't, didn't help yourself. Mm -hmm. And it's, it, it really comes into to these things to where you really have to um, understand that there's a time and place when you have to um, basically in fishing cut bait, you know, and, and, you know, and find you a different spot. And the thing is, is that, it's the same thing with, with employees. I I want to give as much as I can until I reach a point to where I can't give. And and nowadays, that timeline is a lot shorter than it used to be. So, yeah, it's... I, I over, oh, go ahead. I mean, I, I was just saying it's... It's one of these things that took me, I've been doing this almost 20 years, and um, it took me a long time to realize that you got to come up with this philosophy that I've come up with, and, and people got to come up with their own philosophy, but mine is firm but fair. You know what? I have expectations. you got to do da 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 you got to do all these different things, right? <clears throat> That's the firm. The fair is I understand when life happens, you know? People get sick. Your kids get sick. We understand this. But if your kids are sick all the time and you're missing you know, five, six days a month every month because your kids are sick, something's got to give. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, so, you know, so, so the thing is, you know, so if you're missing a week out of, a, out of, out of four weeks every month, you know, <clears throat> now I have to, now you're hurting my business. Now you're hurting every other employee that you're, that they're your teammates, they're your tribe. And so now, now not only are you hurting their livelihood, you're hurting my livelihood too. Because, because, because I think first about what kind now that culture is changing to being more negative because I got one person that's out for an entire week every month. Now, what do I got to do? I got to move forward and take care of this situation and not let it fester. Yeah, I have dealt with those. Uh, I, sometimes they've been, I, I consider them like poison employees where they're, they're just not a good fit. Um, and a couple of them, I, 
I personally liked them, you know, quite a bit. And, and, and one was famously, we discussed in the, I remember in the interview, we're like, this guy's either going to be exactly what we needed and the best fit or a complete <clears throat> train wreck. Uh, I ended up a complete train wreck, but it was one of those, where it was just, it wasn't, it wasn't a fit. And I think it's, it is as much a service to them as it is to the organization when somebody's not a fit to say, Hey, you're, you're not a good fit. I'm sorry. We, you know, we missed something or, or you've changed or we've changed or whatever it is that frees them essentially says, Hey, you, you know, and I, they may not think about it if you have to you know, lay them off or fire them, but it basically frees them to go do something where they won't be you know unhappy or miserable. And I've, everybody that's worked for me, I've always, you know, sort of help them. Uh, my goal is to help them get better at what they do, to advance their career, to figure out what they want to do, and to do my best either to get them in a position that they can do that work or say, hey, that's not something we can do here. But, you know, here, let me help you figure out how to you know, move on to that next thing so that you can be happy and we'll replace you with somebody that's, you know, that is a is a better fit. I think it's a I think people take it a little too personally sometimes when they say, oh, this organization doesn't want me. But, you know, sometimes you you talk to them and you find out they don't want that organization either. It's one of those like, I don't want to be a, you know, I don't want to be a part of an organization that I'm not going to be happy in. And if they say, hey, we don't want you there. I'm like, great. We agree. We, We all say that this isn't a good fit. And everybody wins because then you get to go somewhere where you're a better fit. That organization gets to get somebody that is a better fit. And I think having the, you know, back to that, having that steady pipeline of, hey, we can always go out and we can pull a trigger. We can, we've got people that are, we're cross training, we're bringing people in and we're, we're always available for, we're in a situation where we can get rid of somebody if they don't work or somebody else. To me, it's also, uh, it's a service to them to say, hey, we're, you know, if you find something better and you want to move on, we're not going to, you're, you know, you leaving is not going to crush the organization. And it allows them to, you know, feel like, hey, I'm going to be here. I'm going to be happy. If I'm not, I think it does make it a little easier to have those conversations where they say, hey, I'm not, I don't like how this is going. And then you can, you can have the tougher conversations maybe of saying, well, then, you know, maybe you should look for something else or maybe we should, you know, we can make, we, maybe there's some changes we can make or maybe there's not. And you need to, you know, make a change and move on to something else. Yeah, it's it's really interesting in in our interview process in both my organiz in both my two different types of companies, UPS stores and Christmas decorating. Um, the, the, you know, the weird thing is, is that we'll get people to come in for interviews. They'll be great, and then you call them to try to hire them. They'll say, "Yeah, oh yeah, I'll take the job." Then they never show up, and they won't ever return your phone calls. I don't understand this stuff. I mean, they, they have to be working this uh, unemployment um, system. <clears throat> and the the thing is, is that I don't even understand how that even works. <coughs> Excuse me. And I, I don't, I don't know this whole employees are the best thing to your organization. And at the same time can be the most devastating thing to your organization. It's, you know, it's the, it's the uh, good, bad, and the ugly. And the thing is, is that, um, we try to do our due diligence now up front. We do what we call working interviews with folks. Well, they'll come in, they'll work a couple hours. And it's them trying out the job. And it's us trying them out too. 
And and we figured out that this works out really well. If I can get somebody to show up for a working interview, it normally works out really well. And sometimes I've had people come in for a working interview and they're just like, you know, this just really isn't for me. That that's and, and you know, and we think that they're fantastic, but they're just like they don't think we're fantastic, and that's okay. Um, and and I would much rather that happen. I'd much rather them say. Because because there's nothing wrong with me. It just means that they don't particularly fit in this kind of organization. And I, I'm perfectly fine with that. Because the thing is, is that as a small business owner, or even a business owner, period, every business owner needs to know how much it's going to cost to keep a good employee. What I mean by keeping is that there is the cost that's going to be for advertising to get that employee, and then however long it takes to train them. What does that cost to get them trained? For us, it takes 90 days to get an employee up to par because it's not that the job is hard. There's just so many pieces to it. We have so many different uh, profit centers, and, it's, and, and a couple pieces are complex. Like international shipping is not an easy thing. and so. Um, like filling out documents for notary isn't necessarily an easy thing. And so knowing, so I have to take into account the ads I'm placing, whether it's on Indeed, ZipRecruiter, wherever, okay? <clears throat> the time out of the day I'm doing to do that interview, the training and the apparel I got to buy for these folks. And the thing is, is that, and so after after all that's taken into consider, how much is that? And when an employee employer finds realize what that cost is, they start becoming better at interviewing. They come, they create systems and processes to find better candidates. And some of that is sometimes you just got to pay more money to get better candidates. And that, that that's in in this market that we're in now through COVID and everything, we do have to pay more money to get better candidates. And it just is. Yeah. And I think that's a, that's another great area where I think businesses fail to gather data and, and assess that process because there is, uh, I'm just, it's sort of fresh to me because I'm working with an organization where we're just starting up some of that kind of stuff. And one of the questions we've had is, is as we grow, what is the, what, what is that ramp up time? If we need to add a resource, what, you know, we brought to bring somebody in, what is it going to take to, to find them, to train them and not only to get them, you know, from being like, okay, they can do some minimal work for us to being, you know, productive enough that we can just throw something at them and, and fully utilize that resource. Cause there is that level of, you know, you bring somebody in and maybe initially they can only do, you know, 10 or 15% of the work. And then there's the, the other thing is what is the drag on other employees that are, you know, they're going through the training process as well. They're helping them out. They're holding their hands or, you know, mentoring or whatever it is to get them up to speed. And figuring that stuff out is incredibly important. And I've, it's again, where I've seen companies that have grown really fast and it's sort of, you know, surprised them. And suddenly they realized they the business that they grew, they didn't, they could not grow the organization fast enough because they didn't have things in place. They didn't have the processes. They didn't understand what kind of lead time did they need as an organization to grow to this new customer base or this, you know, this increase in sales. 
And it's when you have, you know, back to that idea of having just, you know, a steady stream of us regularly hiring people, bring them on board, understanding what it takes to bring somebody either, you know, fresh off the street versus somebody that's maybe worked in another location, understanding all those little, those little metrics, those little data points can be invaluable in figuring out your growth. And particularly, I think it's even more valuable and and more critical if you're a seasonal kind of business where you're like, Hey, we're, we know we're going to go into a lull, but we also know that we're going to, you know, we're going to peak back up at some point. And so understanding where do you need to actually start looking at, you know, you know, staffing down or staffing back up to, to try to match your, that employee cost to where your, you know, your business levels are. Yes, most definitely. Well, Rob, thank you so much for being on today, man. We have had a great little talk, man. I love talking about this stuff. It is, um, <clears throat> we seem to be a little lock minded in this. So thank you so much for being on today. Oh, thank you. This has been a great conversation. I love it. Yeah. So, um, so folks, if y'all want to know more about Rob, I tell you what to do. Just look in the uh, podcast notes, and I'll have all of Rob's links to his his websites, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube. And so, if you want to know more about Rob, check that out. And um, <clears throat> and folks, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you on the next episode. Thank you so much for joining me today and listening to this episode. Hopefully, what I shared with you will help you in your business journey as we share to help others expand their minds, businesses, and profits. If this episode did help you, be sure to share it with someone else that you know that it will help. We can only achieve our mission if we share it with others and always give first. I hope I can also help you even further by sharing my resources. It is a page that contains all the digital assets we use to expand our business and to help us free up time. The great thing about this page is completely free. Just go to resources.expansioncode.com to get your free access. Thank you again for tuning in. Have a fantastic day, my friends.